There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Homicides are up 38% over the last year, and carjackings with the use of a gun are up more than 100%. As the city grapples with a violent crime problem, some residents are saying the city isn't doing enough. It's bad. Crime is bad. They need people who work for the city out here engaging with these people more. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is saying we need more police in the city. Officer presence should be increased in neighborhoods across the nation's capital. This ward resident, who goes by Miss K, agrees. You'll see a few, maybe few or five, walking through certain areas that are, you know, high in crime. But then an hour later, you don't see them anymore. But at-large councilmember Robert White doesn't think more police is the solution or the only solution. The issue is less the number of police and more the evidence and the prosecution. Councilmember White thinks the devil is in the details. What my bill focuses on is mammoth gaps in our public safety ecosystem that is allowing for a rapid spread of crime. On the show, Councilmember White walks us through his new bill that he hopes will stop rising crime by filling in gaps in the criminal justice system. Councilmember Robert White, welcome to the DMV Download Podcast. Thanks for having me. As of October 5th, 216 people have been killed in the district. That's in 2023. That's a nearly 40% increase in homicides when compared to last year. The city hasn't seen crime like this since the late 90s. It's a reality and topic that's dominating local politics and a lot of just like neighborhood conversation. Is it safe to go outside? Can I walk my dog? Before we, you know, get into the bill you just proposed to try to solve this issue, I want to first talk about, you know, where you stand on this whole issue of crime. Do you think it's being overblown? Do you think it's, you know, kind of at a crisis level? Where do you situate this issue of crime in the district? It, it is the biggest issue we face right now. I, I don't think a day goes by when I don't hear someone raise with me personally their fear or concern about violence. I talk to parents who have lost kids. I talk to grandparents who have lost grandkids. I, I sometimes very sadly go to funerals of young people uh, who have been killed. And I see their young friends dealing with the trauma and I hear from students who, young students who have had their classmates shot, and they talk to me nine years old about the impact that that has on them, their fear, their concern, not just for themselves, but their younger siblings. So safety is absolutely the number one issue on most people's minds right now. Mm. And to kind of put it into context, you know, we're seeing crime rates we haven't seen since the 90s. You know, you've been on the council for a little bit. Do you think this is a unique time in the district? This is a unique time. I grew up in D.C. and I remember a time when I was young when uh, crime was worse. Uh, but I've got to tell you, my perspective is that it didn't feel worse. Um, the, it, it felt like there were fewer unintended uh, targets of mm. crime. It felt like the weapons were not as strong. And it felt like we had a better understanding of why these things were happening, which gave us more optimism about our ability to get on top of it eventually. 
Now, bullets are being sprayed so often indiscriminately. People are being caught in the middle of other people's beefs. And people are just scared, scared to go out to eat, scared to pump their gas. And this stuff has a very real impact on our city, on people deciding to move, on businesses closing shop. Um, And we can't underestimate the impact that this has on real people. Mm, That's interesting. The randomness or almost the indiscriminate nature of some of the crimes we're seeing is making it almost scarier. Is that what you're kind of saying here? That, that's exactly right. You, you, you could be anywhere in the city and not anyone's intended target uh, or not expecting to be carjacked, and it can happen to you. And I think everybody in the district recognizes that today. Mm, yeah, when we just thought on Capitol Hill, had a Congress member, you know, get carjacked. Um, thankfully, you know, he was OK and he talked to the press and, you know, he, yes. he said he stayed calm and everything. Thank God. But um, it's it's happening. You know, so. New legislative, you know, calendar. Council's back, and you've put forward this bill called Whole Government Response to Crime Act of 2023. Tell us about this bill and what you hope it will accomplish. Well, first and foremost, we we just have to move out of space of pointing fingers. The expectation from people in the city is that elected officials are going to work together to figure this out. Related. I don't believe that I have the perfect answer or that any other single person has the perfect answer. But if we are talking to each other, collaborating, we can figure this out. What my bill focuses on is mammoth gaps in our public safety ecosystem that is allowing for a rapid spread of crime. Mm. So when people call 911 in an emergency, too often they are hanging up because they're not getting an answer. That means police are not getting to where that crime is happening. Our Department of Forensic Sciences Crime Scene Division that gathers evidence, they are short-staffed. So they're getting the crime scenes late. They're not collecting all the evidence they need to. And the result, part of the result of that is that the U.S. Attorney's Office declined to prosecute 67% of people who were arrested last year. These things make us incredibly unsafe. And this, you know, this isn't more police. This isn't sentences. This is massive gaps in our system right now. Mm. The last thing I want to highlight is not the only other part of the bill is that if we have a better understanding of where guns are coming into our city from, because very few guns originate in D.C., um, we can do a better job of stemming that deadly tide. Are there particular states uh, that are causing most of the guns to be trafficked into D.C.? Are there particular gun stores? or types of transactions like gun shows or private sales. Uh, If we understand that better, we can take a more targeted approach to stopping some of these guns from coming into our city. Mm. And I want to zoom in at DFS, um, or the crime lab it's also known as. You know, it's not really a issue that gets cameras and gets headlines all the time because, you know, it's not really like a big sexy issue, the crime lab, you know, it's people doing work. But when the crime lab doesn't do its work, people will go free, possibly violent people go free. And so it does have an impact on overall safety. Is that the impetus behind this bill? Absolutely. It happens all the time that someone is arrested and there was a problem with the evidence collection or the right evidence wasn't collected. And prosecutors have to let that person go. Uh, that That is really dangerous to us. It doesn't, doesn't get the headlines, but that is incredibly dangerous. Or If there's a problem at the crime lab discovered after somebody has been sentenced, that person has to be let go. 
that's not good for our city. So this is really an important thing that we have to fix. Mm. And this bill would, you know, help recertify and better staff DFS, the crime lab. You know, how exactly would it help it? It would help it better staff and retain good staff. Right now, uh, our crime lab is not accredited, which means that we are losing people, uh, applicants and current uh, employees to surrounding jurisdictions like Maryland and Virginia. I want to create a financial incentive to attract and retain people to our crime lab and so that we can get our accreditation back in 2024 and really move with a new purpose and momentum. Now, so far, as of today, you know, October 5th, six other council members have signed on, you know, to this bill, which is pretty solid. I understand it's possibly yeah. more, you know, in the coming days. And your fellow council member, Brooke Pinto, has signed on to this bill, but she's also put forward uh, one of her own bills that, you know, traditionally maybe will be called harder on crime. It talks about, you know, increased penalties um, and some harsher or just giving police more power. You know, do you think that's also a part of solving this crime issue? Just as my bill isn't perfect, Councilmember Pinto's bill isn't perfect. Um, what I will say is that my bill is not a response to Pinto's bill or the uh, directions that the mayor has proposed. It's in response to a city that's increasingly unsafe and siloed and disjointed uh, nature of our public safety system. I, I want to be careful not to give oxygen to potential stories about competing bills, uh, but I do believe if that, that if we are working together and listening to each other, we'll be able to pull out some of the more concerning parts of Pinto's bill. She may have some thoughts on my bill, but I think that we can figure out, us and the rest of the council, how to move forward cohesively. This is a time where 13 council members can't be focused in 13 different directions. We have to be getting some very basic things right. And the first thing is public safety. Mm. And, you know, kind of zooming out of the specifics of Pinto's bill to general principles, you know, a general principle is increasing police force and, you know, power, just focusing on that one topic, do you think that's part of the solution or um, do you think that's not productive? Police play an important role in our public safety ecosystem, but public safety is not an agency. Uh, it, it is an ecosystem. So what I want, what I've always wanted is the right number of police. We can't just, when people get scared, say, hey, we're going to give you more police. One, uh, because it takes years to attract and retain and, uh, and train those police. Uh, and two, because police alone just can't do this. And the, the police will be the first to tell you that. So what we need to do is strengthen the things that allow police to do their job more effectively. If 67% of the people they arrest aren't being prosecuted, the issue is less the number of police and more the evidence and the prosecution. If people are calling 911 and hanging up, that's not an issue of police. That's an issue of getting the messages uh, to our first responders and sending them to the right place. So what I think you'll find uh, from me and others is we will support the right number of police, but we're not going to try to pacify people to believe that more police is going to equal more safety. In fact, um, several shootings, including recently, have happened right near police substations. Uh, so police play an important role. It is a dangerous and difficult job, but they need other supports. Mm. And this issue of you know policing in America is very nuanced. You know, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd um, and with rising you know crime now, I think it's hard for some people to figure out how should I think about police in your mind. You know, how should residents think of police? 
It's really important for all of us to understand uh, that people who aren't feeling safe and people who believe that there are real flaws in how we police are not different people. These aren't two sides of a coin. The average person wants an effective police force and want their rights respected. So uh, I think all of us uh, elected officials, the media, uh, people with leadership roles in the public, we have to start to talk about this differently because I think the political debate has become very, very out of line with the, the conversations that the average person is having. We've been hearing from at-large council member Robert White and how he thinks the city should address rising crime. Coming up, we'll hear how White thinks he can get his bill through the council and through Congress. Stick around. And we're back. So, Council Member White, not only do you have to deal with local politics to get your bill through, but also kind of national politics. That's because Congress can turn back bills that they really don't like. They did it last year, and they could do it again, especially with the 2024 campaign heating up. How do you plan to navigate national politics with this bill? I am worried about what Congress will do to our bills. Congress is not focused on governing uh, or on functioning governments. And the Congress has, unfortunately, I think they believe the option to not function. But at local government, we have to. We have to pass budgets. We have to keep people safe. We can't just grandstand. We can't sit in our silos. We have to govern in a way that Congress isn't governing. And so I really do worry about the impact that they will have on the various bills that we pass, including and maybe especially our public safety bills. So strategically, that's something we have to be mindful of in the district. As anti-democratic as that is, uh, we have to be mindful of Congress's role. Right. And meaning in like talking with them and almost negotiating with them because they do have the power to stop something. Is, is that what you mean? Uh, that's what I mean. And, and, and understanding uh, what we pass that Congress might use as a political lightning rod. Ron DeSantis, who's a presidential candidate, he just tweeted, I signed strong anti-crime laws in Florida, and as a result, crime is at a 50-year low. Washington, D.C. should try Florida's approach um, and hold criminals accountable. So even today, you know, we're seeing D.C. being pulled into the national political kind of scene. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, DeSantis doesn't have any idea what our laws are. Uh, Several of the Republicans who voted to overturn our criminal code revision have more stringent laws in their own states. Um, And so I I want them to focus on federal governing. Let us focus on local governing because we know what we're doing. Uh, But the reality is they will intervene and they will do so without full understanding of of what they're doing. Mm. Now, these two bills, you know, Pinto's and yours, they're going to cost money, you know, if they do get passed. Uh, Budgeting is kind of tight, as we saw, you know, last year. Does crime kind of rank at the top of the list of priorities for how to use city dollars? Crime is at the top, along with things like education and housing and those tied together. We will get a fiscal impact for this bill as it moves through the process. We don't have it yet. But what we do know and what has been studied well, uh, particularly nationally, is the cost of crime. Uh, so for every bullet that's shot, for every homicide, there is an economic impact on the jurisdiction. Um, and so there is a significant cost of inaction uh, that we will make sure is front and center 
the conversation about what this bill costs. Uh, but the bill that I wrote, I deliberately wrote it so that it should not cost a lot of money. We spend uh, over half a billion dollars just on our police force alone. So we spend a lot of money on public safety. Uh, this will be, you know, pennies on the dollar compared to what we're already doing. You know, from my cursory reading of you know the one pager I got from your staff, it seems like there are positions that would be created from this bill that would kind of span the gaps that you've kind of outlaid. Is that correct? That's right. But we're not talking about a massive number of, of new government employees. We're talking about a few uh, employees who are better pulling together and streamlining uh, programs that already exist. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there are plenty of other topics besides crime that, you know, D.C. is facing. Housing is one of them you mentioned. And RFK, that site kind of plays into housing possibly. What are your hopes for the RFK you know, site? What do you wish to see there? Uh, I, I actually say I'm a, a lifelong uh, Washington football fan. Mm. Um, and I also am a native Washingtonian who has seen most of my family priced out of the city. And I chair the housing committee. Mm. Uh, what I will say uh, on the RFK site, the biggest need we have in this city is housing that everyday people can afford. Anything we do with the RFK site has to revolve around housing. That isn't to say that a, a stadium can't fit into that, but the stadium can't be the priority. Housing has to be the priority. So a stadium would have to fit into that paradigm, mm. not vice versa. Anything else that's, you know, on your mind, council member, as, you know, we head into this, you know, next legislative calendar and uh, what should people be thinking about other, other than the topics we've talked on? Other than those uh, topics, keep thinking about mental health because there are ties there to homelessness, to uh, violence and to just sort of our general well-being. Uh, that's something that has really risen in the public dialogue. I think that's a good thing, but we have to continue to focus, one, to make sure we destigmatize the conversation around mental health, and more importantly, get more uh, mental health professionals in the field. And that's something that I've been working hard on. Well, Councilmember, thank you so much for your time, for kind of laying out this bill that you know hopes to solve this rising crime issue we face in the city. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much and good luck in the next step. And that'll do it for us today here on WTOP's DMV Download Podcast. And this show will do it for me here on the show and at WTOP. I'm leaving WTOP and this is my last show. So before I go, I just want to say thank you to all those hundreds and thousands of listeners who have tuned in each week, you know, to hear newsmakers, governors, you know, community leaders talk about what's going on and happening in their lives and how it affects, you know, this broader and beautiful DMV area. It's been an honor, really, to uh, to do this for you all every week. I love it going into the studio, going out in the community and talking to people and gathering stories. So thank you so much for listening and for supporting me and this show. This show will go on in a different fashion. You know, I'm actually not sure what's going to happen to the show, but Definitely let WTOP know what you want to happen with this show because, you know, that's going to determine what happens next. But thank you. Thank you again for listening and stay in touch. This show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week.